0: Well, this morning we continue lesson 14 in our study of the Holy Spirit. So we've been working through Sinclair Ferguson's The Holy Spirit um, and sort of adapted it for Sunday school class in this context. So we'll look at Gifts of the Spirit, part one this week and then part two next week. Um, I don't have a handout for you this week, but um, you can feel free to just listen, note, write down if you do have something to write on and we'll just discuss the text together. So I just want to start with a question. Have you ever wondered why uh, believers, why you have spiritual gifts? What's the point of the Christian having a spiritual gift? Uh, Have you wondered why um, the Bible, it doesn't give us any uh, clue that any one believer has all the spiritual gifts. Uh, but talks about gifts as being dispersed. But why do Christians have spiritual gifts? That's what we want to think through and talk about this morning. What is the purpose of Christ giving gifts to the church? Uh, John Calvin, in his commentary on 1 Corinthians 12, he says, The Spirit of God, therefore, distributes gifts among us in order that we may make all that in order that we all may contribute to the common advantage. To no one does he give all, lest anyone satisfied with his particular portion should separate himself from others and live solely for himself. Interesting, I think he's onto something rightly, and that the Spirit gives gifts to believers in the church. And those gifts are given, as we'll talk about, for each other. It's for the body of Christ to build itself up in love. So again, this week we'll begin thinking through the gifts of the spirit and those gifts that he gives to his church to minister to his church. Now, when this topic comes up, maybe passages like 1 Corinthians 12 come to mind or even Ephesians 4. First Corinthians 12 is a passage of scripture that talks about spiritual gifts. And Ephesians 4 talks about the ascension of Christ in relation to giving gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4 and take a look at this together. Ephesians 4. We'll start at uh, start at verse one, and then I'll I'll read down from there. Ephesians four. Actually, let me have someone read verse one through um, six. Ephesians four, one through six. it's interesting that Ephesians four points back to Psalm 68 and Jesus triumph and enthronement that's the context there (laughs) Ephesians 4 7 to 8 says but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift therefore it says when he ascended on high he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men now Paul references Psalm sixty-eight, eighteen, here, and that verse in its context is about God conquering and subduing his enemies. Uh, turn, turn to Psalm sixty-eight, eighteen. Psalm sixty-eight, eighteen. Now let me have someone when you get there. Just read that verse for us. That the Lord God may okay. So this is what the Apostle Paul is pointing back to. This is what he's referencing this and this in this context here. Again, it's the Lord conquering and subduing his enemy, his enemies through Christ Jesus, the, the savior, the, the warrior king. Ferguson said on this that the outpouring of these gifts of the spirit mark the downfall of christ's enemies and the beginning of the building of the church and so these gifts given among men among believers is something that really is a picture of christ powerfully conquering through the church and through the gifts he gives to the church as the gospel goes forth in power so this was a a powerful uh and something i was really thought provoking for me when I first read it Uh, this passage uh, passages on the gifts of of the Spirit which we'll talk about in a bit um, we often first turn into uh, matters of of debate to see where you know we and others lie concerning the gifts of the Spirit when uh, Paul uses it to exemplify Christ's authority expressed through the success of the gospel from the church or through the church just interesting to to think about. Now, Ferguson makes a couple of observations that I think we should uh, think through, be helpful. Um, First, he says, central to the exercise of any gift of the spirit is the ministry of the word given to God's people. And let's look at a few verses where where we see this. So the gifts given by the spirit in relation to um, the ministry of, of the word. So, someone go to, well, we'll all go to it together. Romans 12, 3 through 8. We'll read Romans 12 first. Romans 12, 3 through 8. Now, as we look at these verses, we'll look at three different passages. As we look at them, we want to to think about the gifts given and um, the gifts given in relation to or accompanying the the ministry of the word, the ministry of the revelation of God. Okay, so Romans twelve three to eight. Who wants to read that for us? Norm.
1: For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, of, but to think with humble judgment, each according to the measure of faith. In. God has designed For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in prophecy in proportion to our faith. In service in our serving. The one who teaches and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness.
0: Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so here in this passage, we have uh, prophecy, we have service, we have teaching, we have exhortation, uh, we have generosity, um, we have leading and then mercy with cheerfulness, Okay. Right? So we have these gifts that uh, accompany revelation, prophecy, teaching, exhortation, and then we have uh, these other gifts that come alongside that, generosity, cheerfulness, mercy, uh, contributing. Now let's look, jump over to 1 Corinthians twelve, eleven, or, or seven to 11. First Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. It's a common spiritual gifts passage. Okay, who wants to read those verses for us? Christy? So in this list, we see uh, wisdom or the utterance of, of wisdom, which has been uh, commonly understood as um, speaking the revelation of God. Um, knowledge, same category. Uh, we see um, uh, healing, we see the working of miracles. We see prophecy again in that category, similar to the utterance of wisdom. Um, and we see the ability to distinguish between spirits discernment, you'll see in some, some translations. Tongues, interpretation of tongues. Now we'll, we'll talk about a bit later how gifts are often uh, broken up into two, two, two categories, categories. Those gifts which uh, continue in the church today and those gifts which have ceased their normal operation in the church today. Uh, but before I go there, I want us to just look at these passages and think through what they're saying here, okay? We'll, we'll we'll bring in our presuppositions later, but for now, let's just look at them and think through them. Uh, go to First Peter four ten to eleven. First Peter four ten through eleven. Now, after we read these, I'll make a couple of observations on what we've read here. But First Peter 4, 10 through 11. Who wants to read that for us? Kyle?
2: As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.
0: All right. Thank you. So this 1 Peter 4 here, I think it's a verse that um, we can view more maybe loosely or in a more cavalier way when he says, whoever speaks the oracles of God, um, he's not simply referring to um, an exhortation with a brother or sister in the foyer or calling someone and encouraging them. He's speaking uh, more specifically of those other things that were mentioned Um, utterances of wisdom, uh, knowledge, uh, prophecy, whoever speaks the oracles of God, the revelation of God, which we'll talk about in a bit. And then he says, serving, whoever serves by the strength that God supplies. And the why there, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. we'll, We'll come back to that in a bit uh, why do we have these these gifts but in these three verses uh, these three passages which are commonly where people go to think through spiritual gifts in the church um, what you see is this emphasis on um, speaking this emphasis on the revelation of God being spoken being uttered uh, being 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 given Um, even the interpretation of when you see the interpretation of tongues and tongues The emphasis there is speaking the revelation of God, right? So there's a there's a there's an aim in the language that is used there in all of these passages Um, and the emphasis on the revelation of God to his church, which was spoken, which was uttered, which was given by the apostles. Again, what we see in these verses is a high importance put on God's revelation through the word. The speaking of the word, the explaining of the word, encouragement by the word. But even the so-called sign gifts like healing and um, miracle working are done as affirmations of that spoken word and its authentication. Right? Though even those, those sign gifts and miracles were to affirm that what was spoken was true. Jesus in John 10, uh, 37 to 38 says, If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. So Jesus is saying, even if you don't believe what I'm saying, believe the works that I'm doing as they are the affirmation of what God said and is confirmed in what I'm saying. So even Jesus points to works and says, okay, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe what I'm saying, believe the works because they affirm what the Lord said he is doing through me and what I'm saying. Sinclair Ferguson says the emphasis which the New Testament places on the role um, of love and exercising the spiritual gifts, i.e. the body building itself up when its graces are exercised in love. Now, sort of transitioning here, actually let me go back and make a point, and then we'll transition. when we think about um, signs and wonders um, and those those gifts which we see and um, acts often and throughout the New Testament, and you know some there are different branches of evangelicalism that would say that um, these some of these things are present today and we ought to look for them and exercise them. Other branches would say that those things have, have ceased, which we'll talk about at the end of the class and next week. But even when you see those things in throughout, throughout Acts and the ministry of the apostles, those signs and those wonders, they're always associated with or acquainted with the proclamation of, of the word. They were always done in a context which was to point back to the word and to say, the, 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 um, the, the wonder said, what he's saying is true. This is happening, but it's because what he's saying is true. What he's spoken about God is true. What he's spoken about Christ is true. So those, those signs and wonders were supplementary to the main point, which was the proclamation and the revelation of God, All right? So even when we think about uh, signs and wonders, wherever we land on that, um, we have to, remember it in its context and why they were given in in the first place, even looking at Jesus own own ministry. Again, we'll talk about that more uh, later. Okay. Second, second point here that Ferguson emphasizes in the book is that um, he emphasizes uh, um, or he brings out the emphasis, which the new Testament places on the role of love in the exercise of spiritual gifts. Again, the body, um, building itself up when its gifts are exercised in love, so love is the essence of all spiritual gifts that 's another thing that I think it can be easy for us to to, to overlook and to, to not consider when we think about well what gifts do I have, and what gifts does my brother or sister have, and how do we use these things um, the The underlying sort of uh, epoxy that <laughs> pose them together is love. <clears throat> love is the essence. Love, this fruit of the spirit is the basis and nourishing compost of any spiritual gift. When you think about spiritual gifts, often do you think about them as good gifts from God to his church first. We say that love undergirds and nourishes spiritual gifts, but they're first given by god like christ to his church so that love that ought to undergird them is first displayed in the giver giving those gifts to the church and his love for his body we talked about a love as the bonding glue and the use of spiritual gift but that love again is first displayed from god towards his own so these gifts first reflect the grace of the giver and so we are sort of beneficiaries and grateful recipients of God's kindness and love to us in giving us spiritual gifts. Now, I'm going to go back to my question earlier. Why are gifts given to believers? Why are gifts given to believers? Let me just just throw out some some things, maybe something. That I mentioned, something that's obvious, something that's not so obvious. Why are gifts given to believers? Why do you have a spiritual gift? Even if you don't really recognize it, you do. Why do you have a spiritual gift? Why does Christ give them to his church? Spread the gospel. All right. Spread the gospel. Absolutely. What else? Stir one
1: another up to the works.
0: Yeah. Yep. You see that, Hebrew? Stirring one another up. up to build the body. To build the body. Yep. Anybody want to add to that? Kyle? Huh?
1: It's not for yourself,
2: for your own benefit. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
0: It's Good. Yep. To, to
1: fulfill all of the one another's? Yes. Yep.
0: yep. Yep. How do you do that apart from body life? Yeah. That's good. They're given. I mean, everything you guys shared is, is right. They're given to any one individual for each other, for one another. Right, Sabrina looking at my notes. All right. <laughs> Stole my thunder. <laughs> All right, so going back to 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, we get that answer. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. The, 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 use, the, the use using the gift serve one another, uh, the Bible puts in the category of stewardship and how we serve one another with it. It, He's saying that you're stewarding the grace of God, which is interesting idea, right? We see our maybe our our house, um, our car, our job, um, our children. We say where the Lord has given us children we want to to do well with them, how we train them, we're sort of stewards there with work, how we do our work, we, we steward our time well, our, our, our house, how we manage our home, we're, we're stewards there. But here he says, you're stewarding grace with how you serve one another with your gift. And so it puts a, 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 I don't know, a sense of weight and responsibility um, and accountability even on, on that, that task of stewardship of grace. <clears throat> the stewardship of the gift is the stewardship of God's grace. God gives us gifts individually for the maturity and edification of the broader Christian community, the body of Christ, his church. So as Kyle mentioned, it's not just, it's not for, for us. We can't have our sort of gifts over here and it's self, literally self-serving, right? That, that's not why we're given spiritual gifts. We're given those gifts for each other. <clears throat> now, let's talk some about uh, the list of gifts mentioned in Ephesians 4. <clears throat> those gifts related to the ministry of the word. Uh, turn to Ephesians 4 again. Go back there and we'll look at verse 11 through 13. Verses 11 through 13. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Let me have someone read those verses for us, if you don't mind.
1: He gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ.
0: Okay, thank you. So here in, these, in this passage, these gifts which were given uh, for the ministry of the Word, we see the answer to the question we asked, asked earlier, why do we have these gifts? Why does any believer have gifts? Until, uh, well, Backing up, building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Uh, Maturity, mature manhood, uh, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So again, the goal is to mature in Christ, to grow in godliness and holiness and Christian maturity. And notice it says, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Again, this is not individualistic. Um, we're not lone rangers in our Christian walk. It's until we all, right? So when we think about the body of Christ, when we think about even our own Christian maturity and growth, um, there's a, an aspect of that that is, um, intrinsically tied to the broader body of Christ. right, so when we think about sanctification, we ought to be thinking about sanctification um, on a larger scale than just me or just me and my believing spouse or me and my believing spouse and children, but the church, the broader church, so that when we come through the doors here on the Lord's Day, and we are serving one another and with one another, we have in mind a Christian maturity that we all ought to be growing in together and looking for opportunities to practically encourage one another in that way. But Ferguson notes here, just thinking about Ephesians 4, that apostles, in this context, are those who were directly appointed by Christ and gifted by the Spirit to bear witness to his resurrection. All right, so there's a... There's an emphasis here. You might hear capital A, apostles, right? Um, and they're given these gifts to bear witness to Christ's resurrection. Let's take a look at John 15 first. John 15, verse 26 to 27. Whoever gets there first, just go ahead and read it for us. John 15, 26 to 27. talked about Ephesians 4 pointing back to Psalm 68 18 and the triumph of Christ of God over his enemies and subduing and conquering them and that being connected with these gifts that Christ gives to his church which is a witness to an affirmation of his conquering and subduing his enemies because he equips the church and they go forth and power by his authority with the gospel um, and the gospel goes forth and causes men to bend the knee right to Christ's authority. Now, that being uh, what Paul uh, points back to in Ephesians 4 and these apostles given to the church and their specific task within the church being um, to attest to the revelation of Christ or the truth of Christ's revela- resurrection and the revelation of God. John 5 um, shows us that as well that he says when the spirit comes um, he will proceed from the father he will bear you will bear witness to me and you will bear witness about me and this is happening as um, well really a promise fulfilled we see in later epistles but a promise spoken by jesus promise fulfilled in acts 2 and the continuation of that as the revelation of god is spoken and the church proclaims the gospel, even in foreign tongues, which we'll talk about. But this is, this is picking up on what Jesus spoke of in John 15. Now jump over to 1 Corinthians 9, and we'll read verses 1 to 2. Again, we're, we're emphasizing here that um, the apostles Spoken of are it's sort of capital A apostles, those who are eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Christ. First uh, Corinthians nine one to two. Let me have someone read that for us.
2: Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship
0: in the Lord. Okay, so thinking about apostleship, apostle, capital capital A here. The apostles were those appointed by Christ and eyewitnesses of him and his resurrection. They were sort of recommissioned by Christ after his resurrection to be his witness to the Gentile world. We see that in Acts 1.8. Now the word apostle is also used in other places more generally, but there it seems to refer to messenger as opposed to the original 12 minus Judas. Um. Prophets. Prophets were also Christ's gifts to his church. Ephesians 2.20 says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In Ferguson's book, he mentions that the prophets here have usually been um, a, seen as a separate category within the earliest churches uh, who received the gifts of speaking the divine word of revelation as contemporaries of the apostles. Again, the, 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 the word revelation emphasis on the gifts of the spirit, and especially here in Ephesians 1. Nelson Dictionary of the Bible defines just looking at the next uh, category there so Apostles, Prophets, Evangelists defines Evangelists as a person who was authorized to proclaim the gospel of Christ in a narrow sense the word refers to one of the gospel writers Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John in Ephesians 4 the word refers to those who proclaim good tidings all Christians today continue to witness to Christ as those early authorized evangelists. The evangelists spoke and wrote of Jesus. Remember what we discussed earlier, that high importance put on God's revelation through the word, the speaking of the word and the explaining of the word as God's revelation were the function of the New Testament church and the gifts to Christ's church were given to serve this end. Again, word revelation. Some see, next category there, pastors and teachers. Some see pastors and teachers as two distinct roles. But generally, these are viewed as one individual with dual functions. Bob Self, who teaches a class on pastoral theology at CBTS, said this. Pastor teachers are gifts to Christ's church, given by the ascended Christ. What is their responsibility? Edification, unification, maturation, by doctrinal, loving, edifying, preaching. Other passages in the New Testament include Hebrews 13, uh, 1 Timothy 3, and Titus, to make it clear that the pastor teacher is an office within the local church. doesn't mean that no one is able to teach in the local church unless they function in a pastoral office or capacity, but it does mean that the pastor must be at least able to teach. Again, this is the the uh, function of these gifts uh, given by Christ. Really, they they put a, a guardrail on um, what the pastor just thinking about this category and the others, two prophecy and, and the others, but. They put a guardrail on these, on these categories, on these, on these gifts. Um, if the pastor is given to the church for the churches being built up in Christ uh, to, to speak in the, in the early church, the word of God, which was inscripturated, written down. Now, as uh, pastors today, we simply proclaim what was written down, what was inscripturated, right? If that's the purpose, again, that forbids us for just getting behind the pulpit and teaching and preaching whatever we want to, whatever we desire at at, at the moment, right? We we don't have the, um, we're not authorized to just preach our hobby horse. We're not authorized to preach whatever comes to mind, whatever feels good to us at the moment, which is why so many, um, I think maybe, popular, uh, well-known TV preachers are completely disqualified. Um, it's not just, you know, because they, I don't know, drive this car or have this house. Uh, those things can be problematic, could be, but it's because the proclamation, what they're preaching is not consistent with the word of God. Uh, they don't have the authority to proclaim whatever they want. There ought to be a weight there with the pastor, teacher, um, and we have to look at scripture, which defines that, that for us. <clears throat> there's a sense of accountability there. Uh, there's a sense of uh, stewarding, as it says in 1 Peter 4, stewarding God's grace. So first, we're accountable to God. right? And then in some sense, we're accountable to our local church, other believers. Okay. Let me see where I stopped at. <clears throat> oh. 1 Corinthians um 12:9 It says uh, to another faith by the spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit <clears> 1 <throat> Corinthians 12:13 It says do all possess gifts of healing do all possess tongues do all interpret Ferguson notes that the gifts of healing are to be Identified with the direct healing of the apostles described in the Acts of the Apostles. So let's look at a few verses on this point. Acts 3, 6 through 8. Acts chapter 3, 6 through 8. Let me have someone read that for us. Thank you. So here, thinking about um, gifts of, of, of healing, right? These gifts were, as I think Ferguson helpfully says, they're identified with the apostles in the Acts of the Apostles, which affirmed the preaching of the apostles. Acts fourteen nine through 10 says, he listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand up, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Um, Acts 28, 8 to 9. It happened that the father of, of P- Publius or Publius uh, lay sick with fever and in, uh, in what does that say? Uh, dysentery. Sorry, right. I just had a typo. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had disease also came and were healed. So here, Paul healing, um, once again, or keeping in mind at least, these things are affirmations or uh, confirming the preached word they're saying that what the apostles are saying in their revelation is true that's the purpose that the uh, miraculous wonders uh, served these sign gifts were given to authenticate the apostles as messengers from god as they were delivering new revelation for god's people now i mentioned this earlier and i'll sort of start to conclude on this point Spiritual gifts have generally been recognized in two categories, those gifts that continue in the church today and those gifts that have ceased after the generation of the original apostles. Different evangelical branches have different views on continued and ceased spiritual gifts. However, we believe that those gifts that have ceased in the ordinary life of the church, excuse me, include a prophecy, tongues and sign miracles these gifts were given at a certain time for a certain purpose at the inception of the new testament church during the apostolic age these gifts were given as new revelation or to authenticate the revelation in the church those gifts that would continue in the church as a normative practice would include gifts like service knowledge mercy teaching Exhortation, generosity, uh, wisdom. Uh, although these gifts are mentioned in Scripture, no one list includes every spiritual gift or the degree to which any individual exercises these gifts. We do know that each individual Christian is given a spiritual gift. As sure as the believer is part of the body of Christ, they've been given that which the Spirit uses to build up the body of Christ to build up the body into mature manhood. Now I, I realize, there are probably other questions or thoughts which we'll, we'll get to, but I realize that one of the most common questions for believers who realize that Christians have spiritual gifts is what? What is my spiritual gift? How do I know what it is? How do I know that I have one? One of the most common questions. Now this is how I would, how I would answer that. Um, join a church and do something that doesn't require a spiritual gift to do. Sweep. (laughs) Take out the trash. Uh, Greet someone at, at the door. Something that doesn't take a lot of discernment to know this requires a spiritual gift. Within that context of consistently serving, rubbing shoulders with other Christians, those things will be exposed through the organic life of the church. And then you'll see. Over time, you will see. What those gifts are and how the Spirit intends to use those within the local church. Okay, that's that's my unsophisticated answer to that. Go ahead, Norm. I Uh, think you're spot on with that. uh, Essentially, it's just like showing up and just start doing things, and eventually,
1: other people will validate
0: you. Because gifts are to be used in the church. Right. The church is equipped to see. Well, I see this in you, and as we speak to one another, the yep. and these things get reinforced,
1: you get encouraged, yep. and then you find out that yeah, you
0: have one, or perhaps many spiritual yep. gifts. Yep. That's exactly right. If, if these gifts are given for one another, um, one must be in context with one another in order to identify those things. Yep. Right? We can't be off uh, separate uh, expecting to be able to identify our our spiritual gifts. Um, Give yourself to the local church, and as you do that, again, these gifts will become clear. Now, I'm going to save about five minutes for questions and comments, but next week we'll talk about tongues and we'll talk about prophecy. We'll talk about continuation and cessation of certain spiritual gifts. Now, I've simply asserted that Gifts have ceased, but next week I hope to give a more biblical explanation as to why I assert that. Okay? All right, so I'll close there with the actual teaching. Uh, Thoughts, questions, comments? Kyle?
2: It is interesting when you think about spiritual gifts and the emphasis that can be placed in different church cultures and and contexts. Yeah. But it is interesting when, when you look at the New Testament to see the overlap between gifts and then responsibilities that are just yeah. laid at the church yeah right like you look in the list in romans 12 and i can find verses right that show you know commands of, of, of such right yep. forgiving right yep. or uh, mercy so I, I think the language about like get in the church and just serve right find like what's not being done in ways in which you can help support yeah. or serve yeah. right it's like it's in, in that while you're doing those things like yeah. you said that it's confirmed I think you just see that with, with this overlap between this duty and then also how yeah. you know, I can, you know, be illuminating into, you know, things in which the spirit works.
0: Right. To really help, you know,
1: accelerate. Right.
0: right. Better, yeah. Yep. That's good. Very helpful. Go ahead. What yeah. you
1: just said, oftentimes you walk about and you see a need. It could be somebody that needs a word of encouragement. It could be, like, a physical need.
2: Right. Well, if the need is before you, don't
1: look for somebody else to. oh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to the elders and say, hey, there's a new here. If it doesn't require elder approval and it's right before you, then that means that you can exercise your give yeah. in that capacity and just
0: do it. Right, yep. And I, I've, I've found it that when, when that happens, when we're trying to, to serve one another, usually the person doesn't go up to their brother or sister and say, what do you need or, or hear their need and then analyze and say okay what gifts do i have and then they activate it and then they do it like that's just not how it works that's not practical right usually it happens more organically they're with this brother or sister they spend time with them they're serving them they're being served by them and over time it sort of reveals itself if i could use that language it uh, reveals itself in time through organic fellowship um I know there are churches and there are programs where they want you to take tests and identify them and then see how you can plug them in, but it just it doesn't seem realistic or practical or organic and it can put a sense of pressure on you like this person needs this I think they only have this, this, and this these gifts, how do I help them maybe I do go and get so and so it, and it tends to compartmentalize and actually ends up dividing rather than Unifying people, so I think it's helpful to think about it and just that that context that more organic context Yeah. Right, so I want to you back on Do it <laughs> But You know how, um,
2: what is it in Deuteronomy 29 where it says the secret things belong to yeah the war, Yeah, these things have been revealed you know for us to keep into our children, right? But I, I think to, like, to that very point there, there can be this tendency where spiritual gifts are like this mysterious yeah Ooh, ah, uh, kind of thing where it's like, yeah. oh, I don't know, and yeah. it becomes very mystical and right. you know, and, and I think in some sense we start to tread into like the secret things of the mm. Lord, right, where it's like, hey, you know what? What the Lord has ordained and figured out, right, it will be manifested and visible over time, right. But that's not like, well, how do I go and like figure that out? It's like. The lord's given you clear things and then go and do those things right like, it just goes back to like the, the, the body will confirm it while it is taking place right you know that's good uh, but just putting the the right emphasis back on like it's a call for us to serve and then uh, us to also observe and to you know yeah like, to be able to confirm uh, and confirm
1: it yeah
0: sense. absolutely yep that's good yeah yeah i i, I well, a couple of thoughts. One, um, the gifts being given for one another and the humility that is needed, required, given by the spirit as we steward those gifts. Uh, you said earlier, um, or somebody said earlier, though these things aren't given so that we can sort of highlight ourselves. Right. So uh, in the context of spiritual gifts in first Corinthians 12, it talks about spiritual gifts and goes right into one body with many members. You know it can arm to the leg, the hand to the, you know, shoulder or whatever part of the body. The person with this specific spiritual gift, let's say he's a fingernail, isn't meant to show everyone in the world how healthy the fingernail is, right? If another part of the body has gangrene and is, you know, decomposing, right? He cares about the, the health of, of the full, full body. That was one thought. The other thought is that I look at myself as a example that, like, I didn't come in, like, I'm a pastor here today, not because I said, okay, this is my life plan. I'm going to do this, do this, do this. Like, I didn't even know. <laughs> it was through the life of the local church that these things were exposed, and it was like, oh, um, I think I do have an internal calling. I think these things have been affirmed externally through my elders and others, but it wasn't like this plan I had, to your point, to try and execute this, this, this thing. Um, and all of my and shortcomings and insecurities and all these different things um, Christ saw fit or else I wouldn't be here I mean, Would Ron or, or deacons or, or anyone, any pastor anywhere. And so it's, I think it does, again, happen more, like you said, um, in that context of not, not trying to like delve into those like secret things in that sense, but um, really entrusting to Christ his wisdom through his local church which takes a level of humility as they are recognized um or not so yeah i this point but anyway i'll, I'll close with that uh let me pray for us and then you are dismissed okay lord we give you thanks for uh, your word we thank you for the revelation of your word uh to us as You gave gifts to the church and that the the early church and the apostolic uh, age and time of the church and as uh, your the church is built on the teaching and the revelation given to the apostles and prophets and as we today uh, stand on these things or we recognize that even these are gifts from your good hand as we think about love that ought to characterize um, and be the basis of Um, our spiritual gifts and our serving one another uh, we see this love first displayed in you um, setting your affection upon a people in in, uh, eternity uh, past um, before the foundation of the world uh, to call a people to yourself in christ and we have known and experienced that love and live in the reality of your love to us in christ and may we have that in mind as we think through these things uh, a topic uh, that can be somewhat controversial at times, but I pray that you would give us uh, a, a sense of, 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 of love, uh, charity, um, wisdom as we think through these things and help us to look at them properly in their context as they really do point to um, the, the triumph and power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as the gospel goes forth, um, may we recognize that Um, We are um, beneficiaries or recipients of the gospel message even now. And um, you have caused us to joyfully bend the knee to our Lord and Savior. And Lord, help us to live in light of that reality. Um, Lord, bless us now as we go into the corporate worship room to sing and pray um, and read and recite um, and hear. Uh, May we do all these things with joyful and thankful hearts. Uh, to receive all the blessings which you intend for your people on uh, this day the lord's day in christ's name amen